Welcome to Making Ships. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jim Carr, and I'm joined by my good friend and my co-host, Jason Zanger. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great, Jim. How are you? Happy Father's Day. Yeah, thanks. It was a good day. I got to spend it with my kids, and I'm glad to be back in the saddle again and just pushing through another another day in the life of uh, manufacturing, right? Yeah, I got to spend it with my four kids as well, and it was a nice day. They treated me well. Good. That's what it's kinda, all about. They kind of joked around about Mother's Day, and that we were kind of joking that every other day is Mother's Day. And I was like, that's right. That's how you should treat your mom. <laughs> every day besides Father's Day is Mother's Day. And then my three-year-old, he kept saying, Happy Mother's Day, Daddy. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes, it was funny. <laughs> and then he kind of caught on. I don't think my kids were ever that cute like that. Oh, my I kids are super cute. I don't think if they... If you just go to my Instagram, you'll, yeah. you'll see how super cute my kids are. Yeah. I don't remember those, those cutesy things that they used to say. Maybe it's just been too long. Maybe. My kids are 20 years older than yours. At, yeah. at the minimum. You know what I think is, is also a part of it is as they get older and become teenagers, they get so like the opposite of cute. Oh, that you yeah. like you oh, like yeah. forget you forget about all the. <laughs> Let me tell you, I know I had some rough teenage years. Yeah, I, I believe love, me. I love my almost fourteen-year-old daughter. Oh, but, I'm sure, know, and she is you know beautiful. But yeah, sometimes <laughs> we all have times in our life, right, Jason? That we we have pain, pain that we we can't control, and either it's personal pain, like with kids, or it's professional pain with something goes wrong at your business, you lose an employee, you lose a customer, you have an unprofitable job, you part ways with a a business partner. And personal pain could be completely different. You know, a divorce, you could have horrible finances, car accidents. And and the most personal pain, of course, is loss of life. Yes, I can't think of anything that's more personally painful than the loss of life because it's an end. And and today I'm going to share with you, Jason, and the Metalworking Nation listening to me talk today is about the recent loss of both my mother and my father within four weeks of each other. And and more importantly, not about their their lives or their deaths, but more importantly, how to prepare yourself and your business for the loss of your leader and or your loved ones. Because I really believe that I have some knowledge that could equip and inspire a manufacturing leader to make some some change to their business plan. But before we go there, Jason, why don't you tell us about what's going on at Zanger's Black? Anything good and exciting going on? Yeah, so one of the good things that's, that's encouraging over at Black in particular We've had some clients who, before my wife bought the company, they had gone away and gone with other like integrated contracts with other larger distributors. And a couple big, big name companies have just started coming back to purchasing from That's us awesome. again. And I think a lot of that is due to the service levels that, that they know that they can get from us and the problems we can solve and the way that we can help them save money and increase productivity that they're not getting from these larger national integrators. And so that's encouraging to see that, to see those, you know, the people out on the floor making, being able to make those intelligent decisions to be able to come back to us. Because 
you know, I don't know, most people probably don't know this about my industry, but it's a pretty low margin industry as it is. And so there's not a lot of wiggle room. So it makes a big difference when you can get that added service that you get from a smaller company like ours. And I yeah. think that's that's probably one of your value adds too, is that you bring that higher level service to your clients that they wouldn't I try to. Get I from, try from to other people. Because so. it's not a commodity. And we sell a commodity, but our service is not a commodity. Right. We're not a commodity. But so many people are so wrapped up in what they think. We always say sometimes that some of our customers or prospects think that we can just manufacture or put it in a microwave and press the button for 30 seconds and out pops a machine part. It's not quite that easy. Yeah, and sometimes you know you can buy an insert from a competitor for 10 cents less, but... It, oh it's God. there's so many other things wrapped up into there like the relationship and you Couldn't know the, more. the cost savings that you bring to the table and stuff like that and we're starting to see that tide turn a little bit so that's that's a good that's good news right there that's awesome I'm yeah. really glad to hear that Jason thanks for sharing but with regards to coming back is kind of like a segue into the manufacturing news Great. I have for today before I read this article it's called don't give up on bringing manufacturing back to the US it's by Noah Smith and he's a column for Bloomberg Opinion, and this was published in the Pittsburgh Gazette just yesterday. But before I talk about his article, we, the leadership team at Car Machine and Tool, really genuinely believe that we're going to see a renaissance of work, new work, come back to the U.S. from overseas markets, a reshoring initiative. Do you believe that that's coming back in particular industries, or do you think it's just going to be a wholesale change of manufacturing coming back to the United States? My opinion is that we will see it across a lot of industries, manufacturing being one. Textiles will probably be two. I don't know if it's going to be as profound in that industry, but well, all I genuinely care about really is manufacturing, right? Chip making. Chip making. And not silicone chips, but right. real chips. Right, real chips. Or potato chips. Well, no, you can get those. Those are probably made locally. Yeah, right? true. They're not coming from China. You'd be surprised in the amount of food, food manufacturing that, like especially cheap stuff like that. Look yeah. at your packages. Gross. And ask for that stuff to be made in the United States. I, I don't care to think about it. But we, our consensus is that manufacturing is going to have a huge renaissance starting no earlier than fourth quarter 2020. Great. And we believe that 2021 and 22 is going to be uniquely different than it has been. We're trying to position ourselves to be ready for that amount of new business that's going to come back to the United States. Great. Well, you heard it here first from the profit, well, manufacturing profit economist, Jim Carr. It's only an opinion. It's only one opinion of millions. But I can honestly say that I've been around for a while. I've seen a lot of things come and go. And I could be totally off, and it may not happen. But we think that that's what's going to happen. And I'll be interested to see if anybody else does, if they want to hit me up, jim at makingchips.com, and I'll be happy to put my own comment on yours. So so tell me about this article. Yeah, so it says, if high-value manufacturing industries and factory jobs are ever going to return to the U.S., it's going to take a lot more than tariffs and bellicose rhetoric. All right, I did, Jim, I, you, did, I did look it up. Of course you did. I did look it up. Because I know you don't actually know what the definition is. I don't. Of, you don't use I'm the reading. word bellicose. I don't use the word bellicose. Do you know what it is? Actually, I don't, but I would also ask you, do you know even know what the word rhetoric means? <laughs> I don't. 
I do know what bellicose is because I looked at it, but I know what rhetoric is. Rhetoric is kind of like BS. It's a lot of it's a lot of talk, right? It's people just talking vacuous talk. And bellicose means not talking very nicely. I had it up on the definition. So the thing. reason that they're using the term bellicose rhetoric is because rhetoric is, rhetoric is typically used when you're trying to persuade somebody. So like politicians engage in rhetoric a lot. People that are debaters utilize rhetoric. It's like there's different there's different forms of intelligence. And when you know you you understand your subject matter well, you can engage in rhetoric on it. It's not truth. A lot of it is not truth, right? Well, no, it, you have to you have to utilize the truth on a subject matter in order to have good rhetoric. Okay. And bellicose? Does it mean like exaggerated? No, it's like, like forceful. Well, it's forceful. Almost, yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I meant. Like when I think bellicose, I think like this big man who's sitting on top of a soapbox and yelling and screaming. He's yelling his, and screaming. His, his, He's his, trying to get his point across yep, by exactly. by screaming and yelling. Yep. It goes on to say. The Reshoring Initiative, a policy plan released by the new think tank American Compass, has collected a number of big ideas aimed at making the U.S. a manufacturing powerhouse again. Great. I'd love to hear those. It goes on to say the Reshoring Initiative's authors give a number of justifications for this tetanic shift. First, they cite the traditional concerns of U.S. national security and soft power. They also mention resilience to global supply chain shocks, a weakness of the traditional free trade system that was glaringly exposed by the coronavirus's shutdowns. Finally, they assert that bringing supply chains back within the U.S. is useful for productivity and innovation. Well, I think all of those things are very obvious, and they're things that we've been talking about for a long time. But like the, since this COVID thing has started, these are the reasons why. But you know, I don't think that the average American realizes how they, they don't. How but now they're starting to. We were as a supply chain. But now they are. Now they, they are. Since I the know. politicians are talking about it, pharmaceuticals well, are talking about it. If they were the, affected you know. by it, if they were affected financially or any way, I heard that you couldn't even get monitors. You couldn't even buy monitors for your computer because when people started working from home, right. there was a shortage of them. Well, where are all you monitors made? You couldn't get weights. The gyms, weights. The gyms shut down. And oh, I wanted to know that. Yeah, and I wanted to buy, you know, heavier weights. I mean, I'm to work out at I'm, home. I'm pushing up 85 pound dumbbells. Yeah, and um, sure I, I didn't have those at home, so I need to I couldn't find anywhere to buy them. And my wife needed to buy some more eight pounders and she couldn't find those anywhere. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's there was an issue. Yeah. No so if you're affected by that, won't you think more about it in the future? Would you be willing to pay more to have those items sourced from a domestic supply chain. Yeah, I would love that. Okay. So you wouldn't have to wait four weeks for your 85-pound right. dumbbells, wink, exactly. wink, right? Um, I can bench press 85-pound dumbbells. Are you, are you challenging me, on Jim each, Card? To on a, each arm? Yeah. Are you challenging you? me to a bench press? Not right now. Not right now, but that's great, Jason. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome that you can do that. So people, Americans, are going to feel this deficit that we've had in the recent months due to coronavirus, due to supply chain, the breakdown of our supply chain utilizing overseas companies. And I think that they're going to be more cognizant about buying American in the future. Absolutely. And a subject. 
I don't even have to go on anymore. You know, we've talked about we should have a reshoring specialist on yeah, we in should. the future to really dig into this because I genuinely believe, my leadership team at CARG genuinely believes that we're going to really see, it's going to be very impactful in the Yeah, I would years. like to hear all the ways that a U.S. manufacturer can position themselves to be able to be a part of, of this reshoring. Sure. And if somebody out there has somebody that they would recommend, please connect them with us, Jim at makingchips.com or Jason at makingchips.com. Beautiful. And we'd love to have them on the show. Sounds great. If you are listening to this show and you're not subscribed to Making Chips and you want to get some original content that's not available on the show and it's relevant to what we're talking about this week, you can sign up to get it in your inbox once a week. All you have to do is just text the word CHIPS, C-H-I-P-S, to 38470. It'll send you a quick link. Boom you're going to be subscribed to this content that is pretty exclusive only to the subscribers. So, so Jim, are you ready to talk about this? Um, I am. I okay. am ready. to. I think it's cathartic. And yeah. I think that I want to commend my dad on everything he, he gave to me. Not only gave in a monetary sense, but gave me in an intellectual and skills over the over the years. So as you know Jason and most of the metalworking nation knows and come to realize that this this industry is all I know. This is this is it. This is bartending. Yeah, I, my part-time job for a few years. But I've spent my whole full-time career at one company at Car Machine and Tool and I'll just say it 42 years I've been in this industry at the same company and I've learned, literally learned this business from the back door to the front door, from the, the dirty coolant tanks to the corporate board meetings that I attended would, during my service time at the Technology and Manufacturing Association, you know, from one extreme to the other. And it, it's quite frankly, it shaped me into the, the man and the, the leader that I am today. But there's only one man that I can say who framed me for success and he coached me through all aspects of running a small manufacturing company. And that's my dad, Richard Carr. And you've had the pleasure of meeting him. And, you know, many of you that listen to the show may have had that pleasure as well. He really taught me the fundamentals of machining. He gave me the tools, literally put them in my hand. Those micrometers, those veneers, those calipers, those dial pour gauges, those telescoping gauges. You know, he showed me how to single point on the lathe and how to run a bridge port and was it perfect? No. It really it was not perfect. It was not the perfect mentorship, but was it authentic? You bet it was. And quite frankly, now he's gone. He passed just a couple weeks ago. And uh and he was my mentor, he was my friend. Although he he was 90, he was not healthy. And he succumbed to old age and being unhealthy. So, but I'm happy that he's not in pain. He did not have a quality of life that I thought was good and deserving of him. So I'm kind of happy that he's gone. He's not suffering anymore. Yeah. Well, I know you, you know, you've, you've talked about him a lot on the show, Jim, and I know you owe a lot of your I do. leadership to your dad and I think it's interesting that you owe, you owe a lot of it in him teaching you the ways of this industry and also you 
doing the opposite of what he did, <laughs> which is also right. kind of interesting. Right. I mean, because there's a lot of things where you're like, my dad taught me this. And then there's a lot of things where you're like, my dad did this and this is not the way that I lead the company, which, yeah. I, which I always think is kind of interesting. Yeah. You know? So I want to honor him today and just reflect on him and his leadership style. And he was a genuine manufacturing leader, yeah. uh, although he wasn't really a leader leader. But he led, and he led me, and he led a small group of machinists for many, many, many years. And he so. was there during the renaissance of this industry. I exactly. Mean, when, it, when this industry became what it is, I mean, he he went from turning cranks on a bridge port to going through what are those ones that where you where you put punch the holes in them and it and it programs an NC machine. Yeah. And then he yeah. you know what I mean? Well we never had we never had one of oh, those. Oh you never had no, one. No, of those? no, no, oh, no, okay. no. Okay. But they were out there. I think that was only a short window of time when N C tape Got machines replaced were replaced by C N C. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, to me I think it went really quick. I think that was like in the late seventies that yeah. they were at their peak. But I didn't want to talk about my dad's passing or even my mom's passing today on the show because this the, making chips our mission is to equip and inspire all of you to help you get through a situation in the future and we all know that there's many many family owned and operated multi-generational machine shops or manufacturing companies out there across this beautiful country and I just want to share some of the things that I've learned over the decades of working with my dad and in a small manufacturing environment that can help you mitigate some of the pain, the personal pain and the business pain that you're going to otherwise have in the future when your leader passes on. So the first thing that I want to talk about is that I learned early on is Jason and I, we've done episodes on a lot of these different things for for years, but open communication. I, I can't stress that enough how important it is. It's really hard to talk about the tough stuff like, hey, dad, what are you going to do? When, when is the business going to come my way? Those are really tough conversations to, to start having with your dad, your uncle, your mother, your aunt, whoever, whoever else is leading the company. And who is really equipped? What, what I want you to do is while you're having these conversations is you've got to start talking about who is really equipped in your business to lead once the leader is gone and not there anymore. So once you've started this open dialogue between you and your, your family member leader, you need to start going into some type of business succession planning. And this is a, a long process. I know I've talked to you about it personally, Jason, and you've talked to me about your situation. And I know I've talked about it on making chips, but this was a long process for me. My dad did not want, want to relinquish any of his power of owning the company. So I had to really all kids know what their parents' weaknesses are, and it was martinis after work for me and my dad, and that would loosen us up to start talking about this business succession plan, and I highly recommend you do, if, you're, if you don't have one in place, you need to start planning this as soon as possible. Would you agree? I would agree. Okay. So we need to hire a competent accountant and attorney. Wouldn't you say that once you start this dialogue between your parents you need to hire an accountant and an attorney. Both of those 
professionals should have extensive experience in succession planning, right? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, when we went through this process with with my dad and my mom, which was just recently, I mean, it, it became contentious at time, but we never like we always had the same lawyer and the same accountant. So things never became like, we still loved each other and things never became contentious to the point of we needed to get our own lawyers or anything like that. So I would agree oh. with you. You need to have competent people that are representing you and hopefully the you business. can be representing the business. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So after we've, we've had these conversations with our parents, our aunts, whoever, the leaders of the company... After we've hired competent accountants and attorneys, then you have to hire and get an, a, a business appraisal. You have to have it done. And I believe you have to have three different versions of a business appraisal. And I don't know what they're called. I don't know what how they're labeled. But there's different values of each one. And it's a very important yeah, you need to have a good account. A that fair market step value, you, step a fire sale value, right. and a high value. Yep. It's a high, medium, and low value. Exactly. And if, I don't know why they make you do that because you always end up going with the middle one. Right? right. Well, so like with my parents, they did a bunch of evaluations and we ended up negotiating from there. So right. I think, right. I think when it, what, the way that I see a, a proper evaluation is that either both parties agree to it but they both kind of think they got screwed a little bit, if that makes right, sense. So like my right. parents, and I hate to you know I hate to use those kind of terms, but like that's kind of the way you feel. Like I felt like I overpaid for Zengers, and my my parents felt like they did. I didn't pay enough. Oh, is that right? You know? Okay, so, that's funny. <laughs> you know, so it's you 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 got to kind of find that balance, and I think that ultimately it comes down to it's got to make sense for both parties. And I think that just because you're part of a family business doesn't mean that you have to accept the terms that your parents give to you. So you can push back a little bit. You can bit. push back a little yeah. bit. Absolutely. Well, as it's long as you, be good for you. Well, as long as you can prove and stand behind what you're trying to pitch. You have to be able Yeah, always whenever you're communicating these kind of things, it always helps to be able to have the data to back up what you want to get across because you don't want to just move from emotions, you know what I mean? So yep. it has to make sense. Yep. So you have to determine too like who's going to be the boss and then all of this other stuff like how will the shares of the business be transferred over how long a time yeah so like with us if i'm going to if if we're going to get specific i don't know if you remember back when you did this with your dad i do remember yeah so with us zengers the company is buying back my dad's shares zengers I the own, company is I own, buying back so I own 2% and my dad owned 98 Okay. And as a part of the agreement, the company is taking on a, a personal note from my dad to buy back his shares of stock. Something okay. like that. I'm, okay. I may be simplifying this, okay. but basically his shares become like retired. And so my 2% became 100%. How about you? It was pre-gifted to me in an equalized shares with my sister. Okay. So remember at that time back in 2000 and well, about 20 years ago, a much smaller business at that time. Mm -hmm. But that was the whole objective. So here I am, this young man in a business, and I'm thinking, I want to grow this business, right? Well, I don't want to grow this business and pay out when I had to buy out my sister at a higher value. Or what if my dad marries this woman that he's dating at the time, I grow the business, he dies, she gets his shares, then I have to fight and argue with somebody else. So 
it was very important that I knew the timing was right, that the business had to be evaluated at that time because I had all good intentions of growing the business. And I know the business nowadays is worth significantly more than it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different strategies out there for business. There's life insurance. You ever hear about those? Yeah, I have. That seemed like a, a waste, but I'm sure that there's some good scenarios where life insurance works, buyouts, pre-death gift, gifting, or a combination of all of the above. And then the next thing is that person in that leadership role, that father, that mother, whoever it is, they need to create a trust. And what I mean is this is really, really important. And I'm really feeling it right now because I am the trustee of my dad's trust. I was his power power of attorney for health and property. And my dad has been sick for quite a long time. And I've had that authority to make health decisions for him. And then, of course, just navigating through the property and, and stuff like that. But the other reasons why a trust is important is every when a person dies, everything that is in the trust, hopefully all the assets and properties and anything significant in that trust that's titled in that trust just transfers over right to the trustees and everything that he's delegated to give out without going to probate. It's just a simple signature and it's done and over with. In addition, the other reason why a trust is so important is everything that's in that trust is insulated from creditors. Did you know that? No, I didn't. So if, let's say you were not a really good financial person and- Well, let's talk about your dad, like your dad's case since that's a a real situation. Okay, well- I'll be honest, my sister hasn't done a very good job in managing her finances for the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. My dad knew that when he was preparing his trust. So what he did is the trust says that my sister's allocated assets that's due to her is going to go into a trust. Into another trust? Into a trust titled in her name, and she's going to be the trustee of that trust. Mm -hmm. So she has full accountability and control she has over ownership ownership of all of the assets in that trust. However, if there's any creditors out there that she owes money to, they cannot penetrate the assets of the trust. Oh, that's interesting. I know. I never knew that. So that's another reason why it's so important. And so why don't people put why don't people generate trust? A, it takes a little bit of time and effort to mm-hmm. think it through. B, it costs a little bit of money. You have to. You should hire a trust attorney to curate this for you. It's a lot of upfront work. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, in the end, it saves so much time, energy, money, and pain that it's really super smart. The other thing is, too, is the trust tells how all of the assets from the estate are going to be disseminated, you know, who gets what. You can decide any way you want to how your money is going to be given away or your property is going to be given away. So when you need to execute this trust, when you need to, the person passes, the trust is written, it's fully enforceable. It's just like reading a blueprint, Mm -hmm. like we know in our shop. The blueprint has the sizes, the tolerances, and the specifications on it, and the trust becomes that blueprint. It is going to be executed exactly as it was written, 
and there's no question. No one can yeah, fight it. No go. one can fight it. There so all in all, I just want the Metalworking Nation to know that these are really important tools. It certainly is not easy. If you're someone that is in a situation like this, I would highly recommend starting to talk to your leaders, your parents, whoever that is, to get a plan down, get it on paper, get out a Word doc, start taking notes, and start planning right now. So let's talk a little bit. So I appreciate you putting everything together as far as, you know, like some of these tactical stuff associated with moving on from one leader to another. But what about like the more the emotional side? So like, what do you think your dad taught you that was the most valuable in order for you to run Car Machine and, you know, achieve some of the success that you have? Good question. Well, without a doubt, you have to work hard to be successful. There's not a silver bullet for it. If you want if you want to be successful and you want to have life just a little bit easier, you're going to have to work for it. Very few people in this world are gifted money and an easy lifestyle. It's just... And, and very few people start a business that is going to just explode and make... It requires a lot of hard work. It really does. In the simplest of terms, work hard, keep going, don't give up. Y- yeah, I think that's what he taught me. And what it... What I it, mean, the metaphors just go on and on for forever and the ever. The dad metaphors? The dad metaphors. It, those, those are the things that keep me moving and keep me cognizant of business and of life and of of everything else. And I don't know why they stuck, maybe because he said it all the time, all the time to me while I was there every single day for 42 years. It's just those were the things that are always going to be resonating in my head. I think one of the things that you mentioned to me, and I thought that this was kind of interesting, but one of the things that you said was you were going to miss the most is having those conversations with your dad about the work day at the end of the day. And I remember yeah. you were saying that even like up to the point where like right before he passed, you were still having those conversations. I was. But it was more of a one-way conversation. I will miss that, Jason. You're yeah. absolutely right. So, you know, and I, w- I think that kind of goes back to like, sometimes it's good for a manufacturing leader to have somebody to talk to who could just listen without giving you advice. Right. Well, he, you know, he had Parkinson's disease and, you know, his vocal cords were like... Parkinson's is a degenerative disease of the muscles in your body. So, I mean, he was having a hard time talking at the end, but I just love that I could call him at the nursing home and whether or not he was engaging with me, I knew, although I couldn't see him towards the end, we were FaceTiming, but at the end, I knew that when I was talking to him, that he was listening. I don't know why it was so weird, but I could, I knew from all the years working with him, that he was understanding exactly what I was telling him. And I would call and I would say, yeah, we're going to buy this new building or we did buy it and we bought you know, a new five-axis machine. We, we bought a new turning center with live tooling and, or a horizontal and we got a new customer. I was just, I had someone to share that success mm-hmm. of my day because- Nobody else, my wife doesn't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. She doesn't understand it. She really doesn't even care, you know, that we got a five axis machine and it can do all this crap. But my dad could. And maybe he w- didn't quite know what a five axis machine was, but he, he knew, knew what an axis was. He knew, he knew it was, was, it was he knew special. it was advanced. Yeah. He knew it was advanced, right? So yeah, I do I am gonna miss that the most because he's 
not there to listen to me anymore. And wh- and what do you think it is? And we mentioned this before, but what do you think it is about the way your dad led that you're going to make sure that you don't do? And, and and not that it's like anything against your dad. But no, I mean, he doesn't I think we, I think, know any better. I think we know more things now of, oh about God. being better leaders, and yeah. I think that's that's one of the reasons that we that we started making chips is so that we could equip and inspire the the metalworking nation. And your dad didn't have the benefit of making chips or a podcast. He didn't. They didn't read books. They just they just pounded their fists and they told people you know to get it done. And like you mentioned before, you screw that part up, you come in after hours, and I'm not going to pay you, but you're going to punch. Fix out yeah punch out and fix that part yeah exactly on your own time so what what do you think it was about your leadership about what, leadership what i won't that do you, that, that you that you learned in the opposite direction that you can kind of joke about now i've learned that you've got to have core values mm-hmm. you've got to hire people who are like-minded and share those same core values that you do that you run your business because the leader it's the leaders everything comes from leadership down mm-hmm. And if the leader isn't leading in a way that's consistent with good management, it's going to crumble. The foundation is going to crumble and it's, it's not going to be good. And not saying that my dad didn't have that, but his style of leadership was much different than you and I and many people are leading their companies nowadays. He would never have read a book like EOS Traction mm-hmm. and actually had a systematized way to do things. But let me tell you, implementing these changes in my business have really helped us grow in the last five years. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So yeah, I've learned that you need to change and you need to, you know what's not good, what's not good leadership skills, and you got to move away from them. Empathy was another thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, empathy is huge, and just you got to invest in your in your technology and your future. And I think it, my dad was resistant to growth. I don't think he ever would have wanted to move into a new facility like we're doing now, or maybe move into more employees like we are now. Maybe that's all he had the capacity for. Not that it was wrong. That's just what how he lived. Yep. And I'm thankful for what he's taught me. He'll always be there with those damn metaphors and and one that everybody knows that is kind of synonymous with the metalworking nation. And when you mentioned it six and a half years ago, I I said, oh my God, how did did you know that? And you said, well, it's a well-known machinist proverb. Machinist proverb, which is If you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. Thanks for listening to the Making Chips podcast. Jim and Jason knew that the metalworking nation, the community of world-class makers, needed to commit to a new way of leading to stay ahead of the competition. So, Making Chips was created to fill that void, to give you advice from other manufacturing leaders who can push you to take action. Your manufacturing challenges have a solution, and many of them are at makingchips.com. Thank you.